baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Outraged, disgusted, just deeply saddened by what happened in Minnesota yesterday in Burnsville. The nation is watching. And we hope to provide some insight, some comfort, uh, and a little bit of diversion as well here as we are live in Lee County, Florida, the home of the Minnesota Twins, spring training 2024. Uh, excited to be here, excited to talk Twins baseball, especially after the success uh, last season at the end. Uh, we'll bring some great interviews for you. Pablo Lopez coming up in our 4 o'clock hour. Dave St. Peter is about 20 minutes away. But we, of course, start with Burnsville yesterday uh, from the first moment that that story broke in the morning to the afternoon with the emotion of the procession firefighters, law enforcement, first responders everywhere, uh, all of us feeling uh, the pain of the people of Burnsville yesterday. I wanted to talk to uh, Police Chief Eric Werner from Maple Grove, who spent a long time working for the Burnsville Police Department, rose to the level of captain there. And Chief Werner, thank you for your time today. I'm sure you uh, feel this pain uh, deeper than many. Yeah, Jason, good afternoon, and I appreciate you having me. And, yes, I would say um, that hearts are broken and I feel crushed. Um, spent 13 and a half years in Burnsville, and to see my friends and colleagues that I work day in and day out go through this horrific event, I just I just can't express in words uh, how I feel right now. Chief, we talk about how uh, police officers, especially when they're responding to a, a domestic violence call, go into one of the most volatile, most uncertain kind of uh, situations you could ever face as a law enforcement officer. Could you talk to me about why why those situations are, are particularly dangerous? Yeah, sure, Jason. Um, part of my responsibilities throughout my career was um, investigating domestic violence and leading a domestic violence unit in Burnsville, uh, actually. And first of all, emotions are high. There's a history of violence that usually is unknown. Uh, Many times violence takes place without police intervention. And so when the police are called, there's all this history that's running in the background. And then when firearms are involved, domestic incidents become extremely um, dangerous, as we experienced uh, this past weekend. Uh, Just this afternoon, we learned a little bit more about uh, the suspect is what kind of the the journalists are calling him, I'm calling him the killer, uh, who unloaded on three police officers. Uh, Well, three were hit. Who knows how many he was firing at? We don't know all the details of what happened there yet. But one thing that struck me is that this was a, really, this was a SWAT response. It was almost more of a hostage scenario, right? When, When you come up to a house, and a call where you know 
there are children inside and there's someone who has a, a large a large amount of weaponry in the house. Yeah, Jason, uh, you touched on some key points. First of all, when the police are called, these incidents are very dangerous, not only for the officers, but the individuals that are involved. So when you have seven children plus a significant other, the officers have to be concerned about themselves and those at the uh, at the residence. And this turned out, from what I understand, is an initial call to some type of um, serious crime taking place. And when a suspect is either being arrested or the victim is trying to be removed to a safe location, that is when the most potential for violence occurs, particularly from the suspect. And I think that's what we're starting to learn played out uh, this past weekend. Eric Warner is the chief at Maple Grove Police Department, spent 13 plus years in Burnsville. Of course, uh, you know, any officer who is hurt on the job, or uh, certainly these officers killed, you feel for their families. Uh, but knowing that, you know, the two officers, Paul Elmstrand, Matthew Ruge, were both just 27. The firefighter paramedic, uh, Adam Finseth, 40. I mean, all three of these guys are, are, are so young, Chief. They're just so young. And you, you think, I know I read that Paul Elmstrand has two very, very little kids. It's just a sacrifice in a, in a situation that, you know, my when I go to work, my wife doesn't have to give a second thought that anything's going to happen to me. And, you know, you think of uh, Paul Elmstrand's wife who told CBS News that when she saw the squad car out in front of her house, she knew. And it, it's just it's it's a it's a sacrifice that I I think most of us can't even imagine. There's a huge sacrifice that takes place um, emotionally and psychologically every day. Our public safety workers, whether they're police, fire, or EMS, um, they put their uniforms on. They go to serve their communities. Every day they provide compassionate, high-level professional services. But they also know there's a risk attached to it. And we hope that we never have to make those notifications to uh, family members, like you said, the wife in this case, and and hopefully we never have to see their family grow up with their their dad or their mother. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, this profession uh, requires that. And um, and again, that's what happened this place this past weekend is we had three individuals that laid their life on the line for the safety of their communities, and and they were horrific murders. Is what yeah. took place, Chief. The the. The guy involved in this case has a, a long rap sheet, but his criminal convictions are, you know, at least in the way a lot of people are thinking about crime and thinking about rehabilitation, they're sort of old, right? I mean, they're, you're looking at 2007 uh, for one of those convictions. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of us are left with this sort of, well, what, what do we do? What do we do from a policy standpoint? We have this combination of a, of a guy who legally was not allowed to have guns, and he had a lot of them, who, you know, two different women filed for orders of protection, and neither of them were granted. So I, I'm sort of left with, like, all right, when you talk about new laws about guns, well, this guy wasn't legally allowed to have guns. So I don't know what, what the law is to, to do here, but those are some of the thoughts swirling in my mind i wonder i wonder what what kind of thoughts are swirling in yours in that respect 
Well, there's a lot of policy discussion about rehabilitation, and is there a different way um, beyond accountability and incarceration? And I think we're at a critical point in those discussions where we should take a pause and be eyes wide open when we start looking at what we saw this weekend with someone that has such a long background. And if we're not going to have accountability uh, for those kind of offenders, then we can't be surprised when we have this kind of result. So, again, be eyes wide open and really let's think about um, rehabilitation. But at the same time, we cannot forget the accountability. And I think that's the concern that I'm having and that our profession as a whole is having. I mean, the reality is, though, if someone is convicted of second-degree assault with, you know, he, he threw, threw rocks at a victim in a fight and brandished a knife. I mean, the reality is this was 17 years ago. We're not going to send somebody away for 17 years for a crime like that. So it's, that, that's sort of the frustrating part where you say, like, yes, some of these criminals need to be locked up longer. But in this case, I'm not sure that this is I'm not sure that this is that case. I don't know. Well, I think the the solutions we have to look at are incarceration, but then the follow up once they're released. Yeah. And how yeah. are we holding them? What are we doing? Right. How are we holding them accountable to what we're asking of them once they're released? And I think that's the question we have to ask here. Chief Eric Werner is with us from Maple Grove Police Department. We saw sort of the outpouring, Chief, from the law enforcement community yesterday. We've seen an amazing outpouring today uh, at the Burnsville Police Department. For, from your perspective as, as a law enforcement officer, what, what can we do to show, our, to show our support right now? Well, I think you're seeing it is... As it's happening, Burnsville, I think it needs to happen across the state of our communities to reach out to their police officers and firefighters, put your arms around them, and let them know that you um, are giving their condolences and sympathies because of a loss of a police officer or firefighter in one community is a loss um, to all communities. I think it goes beyond that where we have to recognize them, though, day in and day out, even when there's not a tragedy. As I said earlier, they do fantastic work um, day in and day out, and it goes unrecognized. And we just have to let our public safety workers know they are valued. When when you look at, uh, you know, the firefighter medic being a part of this initial response team, is that a, is that a normal sort of a scenario that you would have when you have like a SWAT kind of negotiation that you would have? a firefighter or have paramedics as, as part of that response that that in this story struck me as quite unusual that you would have a, a firefighter medic who ends up in harm's way as well. I think that is uh, something that's um, maybe not well known to the public, but not unusual. And as we saw play out, when you have officers that are injured, particularly in life threatening uh, circumstances to have that immediate medical response on scene could be the life-saving measure for those officers. And as those measures are there, unfortunately, we put a fire medic's life at risk as well. So that is part of that comprehensive uh, response for our tactical teams to keep our personnel safe. Are there too many guns out there, Chief? Well, I think the discussion on Second Amendment and um, 
and whether there's too many guns, um, I think that's a discussion for a different day. I think what we need to do is take a look at this incident and just, again, get back to the policy questions of was, was there accountability and were we asking uh, this person to do what they were once they were released um, with their history? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate your work and all of our law enforcement first responders. And and I think, uh, you know, we, we see every once in a while, we, we've seemed to have had a, a rash of these throughout Minnesota, uh, Iowa, Wisconsin over the last uh, year. Um, and you hate to say, like, oh, it hits harder when it's so close. Um but it's so close. Burnsville is not that different from Maple Grove or any other of our suburbs. Uh, and it's it's a bit of a wake-up call, I think. Well, Jason, as always, I appreciate you having me. And I thank you for taking the time um, to talk about this and also to recognize um, Officer Olmstrand, um, Ruge, and also Fire Medic Vincent and the sacrifice they made. We do. We all we all join in that for sure. Chief Eric Warner, Maple Grove. Thank your officers for us too. We appreciate it uh, every day for sure. Eric Warner with us here on Drive Time with DeRussia. It is three twenty one. We'll take a break. You have thoughts? Love to hear them. You can text them in at six five one four six one nine two two six. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, 326 live in Fort Myers, Florida. You can perhaps hear the sound of the ground crew and the stadium cleanup crew. A lot of leaf blowers right beneath us as they're cleaning out the stadium after uh, uh, fans open house today from 10 to 2. The sun is shining uh, here. And we'll talk with Dave St. Peter, the Twins president, in just a couple of minutes. Really appreciate the conversation with Maple Grove Chief Eric Werner. So many law enforcement uh, officers from around the state are covering shifts in Burnsville. Uh, They're preparing as well uh, for a funeral uh, for another officer, um, uh, Ryan Piper uh, from Minnetonka, that funeral. So there's a lot going on here in the Twin Cities, and I I really appreciate him sharing uh, some thoughts. A couple comments from you uh, on the text line. Jason, I feel also for those seven children who witnessed what uh, that man did. They weren't hurt physically, but emotionally. Let's pray for them, too, which is a great point. Uh, And on top of it, we don't know what other types of horrors those children. uh, And by children, what? It's as young as two, as old as 15, Mm -hmm. according to the state. Um, You know. The fact that two different women have filed orders for protection. Now, they were not granted. We don't know why. Uh, 
you know, I, I think there's a public perception that it's fairly easy to get an order for protection. But what often happens is that the person uh, in, in the second case, she didn't show up on the second day of the hearing or something. Was she intimidated into not showing up? I mean, that that happens. So we don't know. But for those seven children to have been in the house, and then again, we don't know the details of what the initial call was about. So what horrors uh, were they experiencing in that house? For sure, they deserve our support uh, as well going forward. Uh, this other text, I think, is really uh, goes goes to show something that I think gets lost in the debate over policing and what is the proper form of you know, justice and law enforcement is the fact that these are human beings. We can discuss in big picture conversation uh, policing, but the police, it's your neighbor, it's your cousin, it's your uncle, it's your aunt. I mean, these, this is what policing is. And Matt Ruge says this texter, one of the 27-year-old officers who was killed, attended our small neighborhood party every summer. He informed us what was going on in the city, gave us an opportunity to vent and make suggestions. He was an integral part of our gathering. He was absolutely a sensational person. I am devastated. Please share this on the air because it shows the personal side of this wonderful person. I think is I'm very grateful for the texture for sharing that. Absolutely. And that's, that's a story. Reality. That's the story of the vast, vast, vast majority of people that are involved in policing. Yeah. Yeah. There are problems. No question about it. Yeah. Uh, but most of the police out there yeah. are good people just trying to take care of other people. And they happen to be in a job where at times they're called upon to put themselves between Correct. you and the bad guy and say, I'm not going to let you get hurt. And that can have tragic consequences as we saw. So you can both recognize that, you know, there are issues with policing that can sure, always be improved. Of course, of course. While at the same time understanding that these are human beings. Look, as you well know, my father spent 35 plus years in law enforcement. And yeah. while I was a very young child, did I really understand what that meant? meant? No. But right. as I got older, I absolutely understand it. that when he went to work, it wasn't 100%. Even though he wasn't in jobs that were terribly dangerous, you know, anytime you make a traffic stop, you don't know how that's going to yeah. come out. And so there was always a chance that, I, that that squad car was going to pull up in front of my house. And that was just a reality that we had to live with as a family. A lot of textures are triggered by me asking a simple question about whether there are too many guns out there. And I would ask my friends who are very fearful at all times that any conversation about guns is going to result in people coming to their home and confiscating their guns. That you need to understand that asking about the prevalence of guns doesn't necessarily follow to what the policy decision about that is. It goes to the fact that being a police officer, when you're responding to what used to be a fist fight, you might be responding to a gunfight. So I would think just about everyone would agree that there are too many guns. Now, how do you make sure that only people who lawfully have a right to have guns that is the challenge and that in fact was what i was talking to a little bit about the chief where i think he is right that we need to look at you know are we 
are we holding people accountable enough? I think that's a, a very important conversation. At the same time, we are not going to lock someone up for 14 years for throwing rocks at somebody and brandishing a knife. We're not. We can't. The question is, what are we doing to try to rehabilitate? And if we're not willing to rehabilitate, maybe we do need to lock people up. I don't know. But but I do think that having a conversation about guns has got to be part of the discussion. It just is. We will break. Let's talk Twins baseball. As long as leaf blower guy is going to work, we got to talk. How seriously can I talk about gun policy with Larry the leaf blower right below me? So we'll take a break. We'll talk with Dave St. Peter live from Fort Myers, Florida, in just a minute here on CCO. Live here in Fort Myers at Twin Spring Training. It was a great day out here at the ballpark, especially after such a rainy day yesterday. Dave St. Peter, the president of the Twins, is with us live. Dave, it's good to see you. Jason, welcome. Man, we there was such love a... seeing you at spring uh, training. It feels good to be here, and there was just a great crowd of like yeah. families and kids out here getting to hang out, throw the ball around with a lot of the... Uh, especially a lot of the minor league prospects out here on the field today. Pretty cool. Yeah, we had our open house and, uh, you know, first uh, official first uh, full squad workout. We're supposed to have one yesterday, but it got rained out. So today back out on the field and 34th uh, spring training for the Twins in Fort Myers, which is crazy. But, yeah, we had a good day today. There is a buzz around this team. I think there's anticipation for what is ahead, both in terms of spring training and, of course, the – start of the season and then I think there's kind of a, 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 a within our clubhouse there's clearly a feeling like hey um, you know we did some damage in the postseason last year there's more ahead so let's hope that we can uh, find ourselves back in that position come October of 24. Do you guys and some of the front office people do you get to combine a little bit of leisure a little bit of vacation down here is there any golf in Dave St. Peter's life? Yeah by all means I mean there's a combination I mean it's largely work I mean our baseball people you know grind it down here pretty good in terms of get here early stay here fairly late and working obviously we're still working on our roster right you know I'm not sure we're we're done yet we're, we're still looking for ways to get better so Rocco um, wasn't willing to tell yeah. me who his five well, who starting knows? pitchers are yeah, uh, today well, so but now you got to mix in some fun one of the beauties of it is is that when you're at spring training you know this is kind of a hub of activity people come in and visit yeah. you know we have a lot of twins people that come in uh, corporate partners that come in season ticket members that come in um, other folks that we engage with with that that live here year round and this is a time really for that type of uh, activity and in the laid back atmosphere kind of allows for it Dave St. Peter is here. Part of what makes uh, the Twins spring training experience special, I think, is the access for the fan. You can get right up on, uh, you know, the batting cages or right up on where the pitchers are are working. It is – there's no, like, ring of, you know, uh, you fans, you got to stay back here. It's it's pretty close access, I think. Yeah, well, I think it's the, By most, today's standards, it's it shocking. the most accessible uh, spring training complex in Major League Baseball, and I have seen most of them in action. And really the credit for that goes back originally when the ballpark, when the complex was built, 
um, that it was designed in a way that allowed for it. And then operationally, we've really kind of resisted the need to push fans further away. We have heavy security here, rest assured. Oh, yeah. You just can't really tell where they're at. And, and uh, um, the beauty of it is if you're a Twins fan and you've never been to spring training, this has got to be a bucket list because you can get close. And I really love it when the minor league group gets going full speed. You can go to any of the minor league fields and, and get up very, very close and personal with our prospects. Dave St. Peter is with us. When you're down here in Florida, does it mean fewer people asking you about the TV situation <laughs> and the no, streaming? Are the there fewer streaming questions? Oh, no, hey, look, that's on everybody's mind. Everybody wants to know how they can follow the Twins. Of course, I tell them the radio. All. We What's can the listen pr- on WCCO yes. 830, <laughs> the Treasure Island Baseball Network, but. Um, obviously, accessibility of our product is important. I, you know, I think I've been quoted a hundred times on this. We're disappointed that we weren't able to expand reach. We're excited about being back with Bally Sports North on the TV side. We know they'll do a great job. We've got work to do in the future. I pay for to, a satellite, yeah, so I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad they're well, back on my yeah, TV. We have to work in the future to, to obviously expand that reach. And, It'll be and, and get to streaming, and I'm optimistic it yeah. will. Who knows? Maybe sooner versus later. I'm not. I'm not hinting at anything. Some of this it, is out of the Twins' hands, though, right? It's Major yeah, League Baseball yeah, level it, stuff. Yeah, it is, but you know that's true. But uh, you know we have to. Can you blame Major League Baseball? Re- we have to accept a level of responsibility in it, Jason, and yeah. we do. And, and and most importantly, I want fans to know we get it. We understand it's a problem, and I can assure you that a lot of discussions are still being had at the yeah. highest levels of our sport on how we rectify the problem. It's a fascinating question. You're seeing it across all sports. I think it's an NBA team that decided to put their games on free yeah, TV. Suns. The Suns, and you say, like, all right, like, it'll be interesting yeah. to see, you know, how does that work out for them? Yeah. Because you could do that here, yeah, too, we I We could. We're watching it closely. We're also watching this year. We're going to have three teams as part of an MLB platform, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies. And, you know, that's a model that, that, that could be out there for us in the future. Right. You know, Diamond Sports, the owner of Valley Sports, is talking about a potential partnership with Amazon. That could be an option for the future. Time will tell. It is a rapidly changing media landscape, and we're in the mix of it. Yeah, a lot of these things, in a way, are sort of back to the uh, past, right, where it's like, Hey, what about free TV? It's like, well, that's how it used to be. Or what about having right. the team own a channel? Well, I remember Victory Sports. Right. Like that wasn't that long ago here. But all of these things, trying to figure out the finances. No doubt. And you know, I think the thing that I've probably been most encouraged about it's it's what we find on the radio is the content is still highly sought after. Mm. And I can assure you, there will be multiple options um, for Twins content, uh, not just you know beyond twenty four, but you know well into the future. And uh, that's what we got to figure out, and I'm I'm excited about that. Dave St. Peter is with us. Obviously, Dave, the uh, news back home, you guys are plugged into that, knowing about the the uh, three officers who were shot, uh, two who died, and then the one medic who was killed. Uh, the twins, I know, are talking about what to do Friday here for that. A moment of silence, I heard. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to we're going to do what we think is right to, to pay our respects. Uh, we send our condolences to the families and to the community. Um, it's, you guys it's so do so senseless. much with with law. You enforcement. know, yeah, I mean, we've been blessed over the years to have a great relationship with law enforcement and so many first responders. And, and uh, we'll certainly find a way to pay tribute here Friday, uh, but also at home in Minnesota at our home opener. And and maybe throughout the 2024 season. So more to come on that front. But right now, I think it's just about praying and uh, and sending love to those people that have been impacted by this. Yeah.
We all feel it. We all feel it. Dave St. Peter with us here in Fort Myers, Florida. Spring training underway now. Friday, you have the game with the Gophers, which I think is always special. But this year, maybe a little more special because of uh, the Gophers baseball coach. This is his final season. Yeah, you know, John Anderson is such a legend. He's a legend clearly in the Big Ten, um, winning his coach in, in, in conference history. Uh, but he's also a legend in Minnesota sports, certainly Minnesota baseball. And, uh, you know, the relationship that Minnesota Twins have enjoyed with the University of Minnesota program over the years is special. Uh, John is a dear, dear friend. It's going to be cool here. We're bringing Paul Molitor in, uh, Glenn Perkins, both of which have that crossover yeah. from the Gophers to uh. the Twins. Um, we're going to pay tribute to, to John here Friday night in advance of the, the exhibition with the Gophers. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere in the ballpark. We're hoping the Gophers have a great 2024 season to kind of, you know, put a exclamation point on John's fabulous career. And we're really uh, excited to see him here on Friday. From a team standpoint, we're going to uh, hear from Pablo Lopez coming up at uh, 4:30. But uh, we talked to Byron Buxton today. Yeah, and that guy is just exuding <laughs> joy. He's just beaming. It is amazing. I'm sure you've yeah. seen it, well, too, just the fact for him to be able to get back out in center yeah. field and feel better. Yeah. Well, he truly feels better. I mean, I think that's that's what you're seeing. I didn't know how much he was hurting last yeah. year. He, he just hasn't felt himself, and he's yeah. had a chance to have a very normal off season and has come in. Um, you're right. I would use the word beaming. And uh, he is, uh, you know, I think we'll probably start him out slow. Uh, here in the month of February, but as the calendar turns to March, I suspect you're going to see him play a lot of center field, which is going to be different than the last couple springs. And hopefully, you know, he'll come through that healthy. And uh, I know this, Jason, it, when Byron Buxton plays for us and in, in, in is in center field, our one-loss record is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes. the winning percentage over, over his career with the Twins uh, is it's markedly different when he's in the lineup playing center field than when he's not. And uh, he's a competitive advantage and a big part, I think, of why we're uh, we're hopeful that 2024 could be better than 2023. Yeah, the expectations down there certainly are are high. They don't, no one that we talked to today seemed particularly satisfied with last year, which no. you like to see it. No, but we also don't take it Except for the granted. hunger. Yeah, and we've got some work to do yet. Obviously, there's going to be some guys that are going to need to step up. Um, but I also think that you know the way the roster is constructed, uh, I, I'm optimistic that. Um, there really isn't a, a, a full weak point. I think our bullpen is amongst the best in baseball. I think our starting pitching is still ranked in the upper echelon of the game, even without Sonny Gray. And then, of course, on the position player side, I fully expect we'll score more runs next year, assuming the health of Buxton, obviously a healthy Correa, full year of Royce Lewis. Um, I'll take our chances with that lineup. Dave St. Peter, before we let you go, I mean, for fans who are going to come down here, experience spring training, and really mostly just for me, where do you uh, recommend I go eat? Uh, <laughs> like, really? You know, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of a number of restaurants down here. But, you know, if you go out to, you know, the Sanibels and the Captivas of the world, you cannot go wrong. I don't have the name. I know there's a All new right. steakhouse at the end of Captiva that I've been told is really, really good. But I'm more of a mucky duck guy. Yes. You know, um, I think that's a, a fabulous, legendary spot down here in, in southwest Florida. Nice. I mean, Dan Cook's not going to come with me. Unless well, they have a cheeseburger with nothing on it. That's all he's eating. Well, maybe we can get him to expand his horizons a bit <laughs> I've tried. Trip. I've tried. It does not go very well. Good Dave, luck. Yeah, exactly. Dave, always good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thanks. We appreciate WCCO. Thank you.
we appreciate the Twins for sure. 450 back in a minute here on CCO from Fort Myers, Florida. What the heck happened in the Minnesota Wild game today? I literally just saw that score. The Wild won 10 to 7. <laughs> Who kicked the field goal? What I mean is this what soccer needs to provide entertainment <sighs> to make this catch on and uh to a greater degree, I don't know. I don't know. 10 to 7 is bananas. Those poor goaltenders. <laughs> is this like the NBA All-Star game sort There's of no hangover defense at all? Let's just not play any defense. By the way, so the NBA All-Star game last night uh, with, I mean, honestly, have we lost lost our trust in Finchie? I mean, what happened to his his defense last night was atrocious. The East scoring 211 points. The score, 211 to 186. Now, there's a lot of, like, sort of, oh, like, oh, no, like, what has happened to the All-Star game? It's the All-Star game. Like, I don't know what you do about the All-Star game because you know what's a boring game? A 211 to 186 game is very boring. Yes. Very boring. Yeah. What are you laughing about over here? I'll tell you. It's uh, it's an off-air conversation. (laughs) I'm just trying to entertain Minnesota here, Dan, trying to give people a little levity. And you're just you're getting like, and I'm laughing because you're giving levity. Maybe you're getting dirty text. No, I'm not someone. giving dirty. Good text. for you. No. None of my business. <laughs> Except that you bring it up on the air. <laughs> well, Other that's... than that, <laughs> I as long as you're going to call me out. Uh, my uncle who lives down in Florida, Melbourne, Florida. Tim is uh, my uncle. Tim is listening. Oh, nice. Uh, so thank you. For All that. right. It's good to hear from him. Should we do that? Let's just turn this into like KDWB and yeah. do shout out. Shout out to who's listening. Want to give a shout out to uh, Vince in Naples. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, for listening we got a lot of big cco fans uh down here i don't know how many times did we get stopped on the way down here at least four or five that i counted well you're very famous no this is and they weren't they weren't stopping you know you kept trying to rope me into it oh yeah my producer dan (laughs) now look at me like i you know had three heads i I, I didn't matter at all but like what huh yeah all right what can you do uh four o'clock pablo lopez yep so that'll be good stuff pablo he was great 4 30 is when we're going to Playback the yeah. Pablo interview. So the way we do this is Dan and I wake up at the butt crack of dawn, roll down to the locker room here, which opens at 8 15. Yeah. And then we try to talk to as many Twins players as we can. Yeah. So and then we play go. those back throughout the week. So you'll get to hear from Byron Buxton and Rocco Baldelli and Carlos Correa and and as well as Pablo Lopez this afternoon. A lot so. of those guys were starstruck by me, too. Yeah. You can't blame <laughs> them. They're only human. <laughs> Woof. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 